Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... When is the grace of God upon us? When we're tempted. How do we know? We care. We care. The grace of God is even upon us when we have a head full of lies. How do we know? Because eventually we hear that voice to say, that's not true. That's not right. All along, the grace of God is upon us when the Holy Spirit is coming upon us to help us live for Jesus. In those times in our lives, when things are hard and we feel less connected to Jesus, we know that He has not left us. In those times, the Holy Spirit is often nudging us toward the truths in the Bible. This is a fact the Apostle Peter never wants us to forget, that all of us can stand in the grace of God, even when our heads are filled with lies. Pastor Jim reminds us today that the Holy Spirit can help us combat those lies. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part 3 of his message entitled, Final Words from a Spiritual Father. Suffering is inevitable in a sin-infested world, but it's not forever. After you've suffered a while, it says he will perfect, I love another version, it says he will personally restore, establish, I think rather than looking at each word individually, I like to think of sort of the theme of it. I think he's saying here that the Lord will replace what you think suffering took from you. The Lord will replace what you think all that shame and sin took from you. It says he will strengthen and settle you. And I think the idea there is that our inadequacies and our weaknesses will diminish over time. And certainly once we go to heaven, they will totally diminish. We'll come back to verse 11 in a second. These verses here, you might want to, if you have your Bible, you might want to just bracket 10 and 11 and just write the meat of the message, the meat of 1 Peter. This is the meat of the message that God's strength is given to God's people and that's how we will get God's eternal rewards. You say, how do we know we can trust him? Well, he tells us right here, the God of all grace called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. It's so important for us to remember that the only reason we go to heaven is because Jesus died for us and we responded in faith. And if you will, that we are going because we are bound by an agreement between the Father and the Son. And so our journey to eternity is tied into the work of Jesus Christ and his life, death, resurrection, ascension. He says here that we're called to his eternal glory. What an incredible statement and promise. Because if you read the Bible, usually when people see the glory of God, they're what? They're terrified. Absolutely terrified. God says to Moses, you can't handle it, bro. But for the believer, it's sheer joy. It's a cause to rejoice. The call of the God of all grace is the call to joy of eternal life in heaven. And friend, let me be honest with you. Have you heard that call? And how have you answered it? Have you said, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus, or I'm going to still do my own thing? In essence, the Lord says that 
Someday I will give you, as the Bible says, I will give you back the days the locusts have eaten. Peter says God's promise to give us back all that seemed lost, all of our heartache, all of the things that we just thought, man, we just ruined this or that person ruined that or all the things that the woulda, shoulda, couldas, all of that stuff. He says, I'll give that back to you. And when we grab that by faith, the grace of God will strengthen us and enable us to endure until the end. That term, the God of all grace, is meant to remind us that the power of God is sufficient for every situation in which we find ourselves in. Now, the Apostle Paul is a guy who knew a lot about suffering. This is what he says, 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. On the outside, we're dying. On the inside, we're growing. We're becoming more alive, if you will. For our light affliction... Now, this is really amazing. I mean, this guy... <laughs> He goes out, you know, he preaches the gospel. He gets beat up. He gets arrested. They think he's dead. He goes, plants churches. And then he finds out that the people in the church are talking bad about him. They don't love him. They don't care about him. He has to write, you know, the more I love people, the less I'm loved. Then nobody, oh, he doesn't speak so well. He's kind of ugly, you know, it's whatever. All this stuff about him. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why Peter sings out the praise of verse 11, where he says, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know what I love about that word dominion? We win. We win. Peter's saying, I know it's true. I know the Lord is powerful. I know he will triumph over all evil. And this is an important thing for us to see. Because God in the Bible gives us certain promises. And why does he give us promises in the word of God? Well, I can tell, let's take two reasons he doesn't. Number one, he does not give us promises to make us feel guilty. Right? He does not give us promises to make us feel guilty. He might confront us on whether we're believing him or not, but he doesn't give us promises to feel guilty. Also, he doesn't give us promises so we believe stuff that will never happen. I was watching this young woman being interviewed. She was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And so they were asking her why, and, and very intelligent young woman, really grounded her reasons. And so the interviewer said, um, do you really think that all the stuff that Mr. Sanders has promised you're actually going to get? And she says, oh, no, no, it's just nice to talk about that stuff. <laughs> right? So a lot of times we're going around believing a bunch of stuff that we think is never going to happen anyway. That's not why God gives us his promises. Not at all. God gives us promises which are gospel truth to strengthen us and to provoke us to faithfulness. And the real question is, will we let him do that? Will we hear the promise of eternal glory and say, you know what, Lord, I'm on my way to eternal glory because of Jesus, right? Oh, man, I'm going to let that strengthen me this week. I'm going to let that strengthen me, provoke me to faithfulness. Will we suffer in our journey? Yes. Will we be marginalized? Yes. Will people think we're crazy because of what we believe? Yes. 
But in light of eternity, he's telling us it's a very, very short time. Friends, the Lord's call to follow Jesus is not to some unknown place. It's a call to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. And Peter says, let that strengthen you. Number three, stand in the grace given to you. Stand in the grace given to you. This is such a unique concept that a lot of times as Christians, we think of grace that has been given to us. And we also think about the grace that will be given to us. But we forget in the moment, we're already standing in the grace that was future grace a couple days ago. Because <laughs> we're always in that grace at that right moment. Verse 12, again, I want to read this one twice. By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. By Silvanus, most Bible scholars think that that's another name for Silas, traveling companion of the apostle Paul. And he says, our faithful brother as I consider him. Dude, I, I will take that. I will take that punched on my ticket when I walk into heaven as a faithful brother. I will take that in a heartbeat. Faithful. Not perfect. Too late for that for all of us, right? But faithful. Faithful brother, a faithful sister. You know, this, this church wouldn't run without faithful brothers and faithful sisters in so many different realms. He says, this faithful brothers I consider, I have written to you briefly. Now, uh, if you li- those of you who like to get into this stuff, there's some debate. Does that mean that Silas helped him write it? Or does that mean he dictated it to him? That's called an amanuensis. That sounds a lot better, right? Like you ever go into your boss, take a letter back in the old days, take a letter. Now that it would sound better to go, I'd like you to be my amanuensis. <laughs> or probably just means he was the messenger. He brought the letter and he was faithful probably when the people read it and go, is he serious about this stuff? Not to backpedal. Not to backpedal, not to make it seem different than it actually was. He says, exhorting and testifying that this is, what is this, everything he's written, is the true grace of God in which you stand, in how we can stand firm in the faith. Verse 13 says, she who is in Babylon... Babylon is basically in ruins at this point in time. So he's probably talking in code here. So who's she? His wa- Some people think it's his wife. I don't think it's Peter's wife, although the Bible does say he's traveling around with her. Paul said he's allowed to do that. But she is often referred to as the church. And so she who is in Babylon, Babylon symbolic of the world system opposed to God. So basically she in Babylon is the church in Rome. Elect, those are the people who are chosen by God. Again, let me ask you the question. Do you know that you've been chosen by God? You say, how do you know? You choose him. (laughs) And then you know you've been chosen. How does that work? I don't know, but I'm sure glad it happened to me. (laughs) Elect, together with you, greet you, and so does Mark, my son. Remember we said when we did the Gospel of Mark that he really was probably writing what Peter told him happened in the life of Jesus. Remember we said that Mark, interesting pair of these two, Peter denies Jesus, tells, he's always telling Jesus what to do. 
Like, oh God, just let me tell you how, let me fix this for you, <laughs> right? And then he denies Jesus, and then Jesus restores him. And then Mark goes out on the mission field with the Apostle Paul, gets fired, <laughs> and then comes and, and he's with Peter. And then eventually the Apostle Paul will send for him because he's useful in the ministry. And he says, Mark, my son, what, he was a son in the faith. He was a son in the faith. And, and what a privilege to have sons in the faith or to have fathers in the faith. Verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. Hmm. The greeters are like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> the parking lot guys are like, no way. <laughs> no way. So don't kiss me after the service. It's just a greeting of love in our culture. Probably more so a handshake or a smile. When you know somebody a little bit better and you have a certain level of friendship, a hug. Don't be like, I'm, I'm going to go hug and kiss everybody. Oh, just back off a little there, right? What's the point of what he's saying? Is he's saying to the church, be a loving family. The obligation of love that we have as God's children. And you know, sometimes you hear, and I hear from Christians and churches and stuff like that, that I can't love that guy I can't love her because of what he and she did. And I'm like, did you ever talk to them? And they say, no. It's really important to understand that at that point, the sin is on you, if that's what you're thinking. A lot of times people don't know what they do. I'll commend to you, we have another message on the website about forgiveness from Matthew's gospel. Unforgiveness is a serious, serious sin. And here's the thing. Yes, there may be somebody who did something to you or did something to me, but we have to own our bitterness. We have to own how we feel about that person. And so there's an obligation. It should never be said in the church, I can't love that person. You're going to have people you're more friendly with. That's fine. That's fine. That's, that's life. But never that I can't love them. Interesting, after he talks about this he goes from being humble to casting our cares to the devil to being strengthened to loving in the church. And what does he say? Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That if this is the life we lead, but if God's grace is upon us, then peace will follow. And so Peter says, I wrote this letter to testify to you, to encourage you in the true grace of God in which you stand. This, friends, is the Christian life. So many people have the Christian life so very wrong. I'm actually thankful for the weeding out process. The Lord saves people, and then we stand in our salvation. And our stand, which is by His grace, keeps us from quitting. Some of you were raised in the church. And you're trying your darndest to quit, and you just can't. Why? Because God's grace is upon you. Some of you have been hurt. You've been insulted. You feel like you've been mistreated. But you just can't quit. Why? Because God's grace is upon you. And once again, we have the tension of the Christian life. Grace has grabbed us. So in that sense, we're passive. 
But then again, we're told to grab grace. In that sense, we're active. And it's only, we can only do that by grace. And in that sense, we're passive. And it may seem odd, especially in this book here of 1 Peter, but all along, Peter has been encouraging us that the grace of God is upon us even in our suffering. And for a follower of Jesus, what does that include? That includes the grace of God that is upon you when you're anxious, when you're worrying. The fact that you would even catch yourself and say, I'm anxious, I'm worried. The accuser comes in and goes, "Eh, some Christian you are. You answer him by saying, but I care. So I know the grace of God is upon me. When is the grace of God upon us? When we're tempted. How do we know? We care. We care. The grace of God is even upon us when we have a head full of lies. How do we know? Because eventually we hear that voice to say, that's not true. That's not right. All along, the grace of God is upon us when the Holy Spirit is coming upon us to help us live for Jesus. And where more so do we need it than in the realm of relationships? Greet one another. That's a term that always applies to the church, right? Greet one another with a kiss of love. The point is not the kiss. The point is the love of Jesus Christ that is to be shared among the people of God. Jesus and the apostles hold out the expectation of love in the church. It's expected. It's an obligation of followers of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples for the love you have for one another. So people would walk into our church and say, what are all these people on about? Like, what an unusual group of people. Why would they even be friends? They don't even seem to have anything in common. Well, we actually have the greatest thing in common. We're part of the family of God. We are not to keep people at arm's length. Now, listen, I understand you can't know everybody. And a lot of us grew up in churches where we felt that it was a come-and-go existence. You know, you come in, get your card punched, and you leave. Do your 45 minutes, and you're done. That's not what God planned for the church. Now, it's really hard on a Sunday, even here. You know, I'll go home, and my wife will say, how was church? And I'll be like, I had 50 interrupted half conversations. (laughs) And then I think, but all the people I didn't get to. (laughs) That's why I love to encourage people to join a community group. I'm not telling you this now to make you feel guilty. Part of it's my own selfishness, right? Because here's the thing. I am less concerned about the people in this church who are in a community group. Now, please note what I just said. I said I'm less concerned. I didn't say I care less. I'm less concerned. Why am I less concerned about them? Because I know they are in an environment of soul care. I know that they can have others come alongside them in some of their troubles and difficulties. He closes here. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody having any stress in their life? You know, I just want to say something about that too because, you know, I said now it's, it's out that 
I've had headaches for 35 years straight, and I've just been sort of, I just sort of deal with it. People think I'm mad at them or I'm angry. I just got a bad headache. You know, when, when you're, whatever hurts, right, if they give you medicine for it, you take it, right? And so sometimes if your brain's in, having a problem, you know, I don't think you have to feel shamed about that. But, you know, when I went to the doctor for my headaches, there was a choice between a couple different things. And I said, I don't want anything that, for me, I'm just not at that point right now where it's just dominating my ups and downs of life. And I just said, I want something that doesn't alter my brain. Because right now, I still want to experience the ups and downs of life. Sometimes, way down. You've got to do something about it. Okay? Because our stress is huge. God's grace is bigger. Our sin is great, but His grace is greater. And the key to experiencing the grace of God and the peace of God, it's in that little word, in. In Christ Jesus. You've got to be in Christ. And it's the only way to eternal glory. I know a lot of people go around and saying, well, I'm Christian, and I know if I'm a good person, I'm going to heaven. That is not the teaching of Christianity. That is not the teaching of Christianity. That's just a tradition that's developed over time. The teaching of Christianity is that none of us could do it on our own. That God's standard of heaven is perfection. So God himself became a man in a person of Jesus of Nazareth and he walked this earth in complete perfection as a substitute for you and I. He did it in our place. And then instead of him just going right to heaven, he went on a cross and he was punished on a cross in our place for our sins. And because God was so remarkably overjoyed with that, he rose him from the dead. He ascended him to heaven and seats him at the right hand of God, which is the place where the king sits, it's the place of honor, and says, whoever would put their trust in my son, I will bring to glory. You see, while Peter told us to cast our cares on the Lord, on the cross, God the Father shows us how much he cares when he cast our sins on Jesus Christ. Because if you've put your trust in him, you can cast your cares on Jesus as he casts your sins on Jesus. And the empty tomb of Easter Sunday shows us that the caring king is also the powerful king. That not even death could hold him. To be in Christ Jesus is to acknowledge Jesus as king. And to be united to him through faith. It's to be adopted into the family of God. And to inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus is the only way to the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Jesus is the only way to real lasting peace. And it starts with answering the call to eternal glory. To turn from trusting in yourself to putting your trust in Jesus Christ. So we say the word of God is God speaking, right? Parting words from our heavenly Father. Don't let the devil devour you. You can resist him. It's a battle you can win. Let the Lord strengthen you. He has called you to eternal glory if you are a Christian, not to squash you like a bug, 
but to strengthen you in your faith, in your resilience, on your way to glory. And thirdly, stand in the grace given to you. You already have it. It's already here because of the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of 1 Peter is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.